Good morning. It is a special joy for Mimi and I to uh, be here with you uh, this morning uh, to be a part of our worship service, and I would like to uh, thank uh, Rob as well as uh, Dr. Nelson uh, for uh, the kind invitation uh, to uh, be with you this morning and have an opportunity to share a bit from not only God's Word, but what God is doing in missions and in global missions uh, today. Actually, this is uh, uh, a part of a whole year of celebration for us uh, that began in January with a trip to Indonesia, uh, meeting together with uh, the church there in Indonesia as we celebrated uh, the 150th anniversary of OMF, International, or what used to be called the CIM, the China Inland Mission. Mimi and I, more specifically, arrived here in uh, Canada uh, last Friday, and uh, we have been busy uh, speaking in different meetings, and uh, after tomorrow evening, Friday, we will then move on to Vancouver, where we'll be for weekend ministry, and then back to Hong Kong, and uh, a full load, a full plateful in November. Uh, but it's been a great joy to, to be here. I was especially instructed by uh, Dr. Daniel Wong that I needed to put on this hat uh, uh, to uh, build connection, uh, except I think his head is a little smaller than mine. Uh, so this doesn't quite fit, Dr. Wong. I'm very sorry for that. Uh, but anyway, I'll return your hat to you after the end of the service. <laughs> uh, we actually had a wonderful time uh, at Knox Church on Saturday, and of course, uh, very much reminded of the link that the CIM had, uh, not only with Knox Church, but uh, the history that Rob just very, uh, very uh, outlined uh, for us in describing something of the link between uh, the CIM and the OMF. And uh, while we were there at Knox Church, we were uh, again told of the story of how Hudson Taylor came here to Toronto in uh, 1888 and uh, shared about the tremendous need of missions in China and through that sharing, God raised up a group of not only Canadians, but also Americans to travel to China and actually left out of Knox Church, went down to Union Station, get on, got on a train, went right across the country to Vancouver, boarded up a, a boat, and then went on to, to China. And so it's been a bit of a nostalgia journey for us uh, as well. As I was thinking of what to share with uh, you this morning in chapel, my thoughts actually went back to probably what some might feel an odd scripture to read and to share from. It's actually two verses found in the book of First Chronicles chapter 28. Let me just read those two verses for us very, very quickly. The context of these two verses if you're familiar with First Chronicles, is 
David summonsing his son Solomon at the end of his life, that is, at the end of David's life, to instruct his son Solomon with regard to uh, details relating to the building of the temple. And there at the very end of 1 Chronicles chapter 28, we read these words spoken by David to Solomon. And this is what he says in 28.20. David also said to Solomon, he said, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. And then in verse 21, David goes on to say, the divisions of the priests and the Levites are ready for all the work on the temple of God. And every willing and skilled in any craft will help you in all the work. The officials and all the people will obey your every command. And the two phrases, the two words that especially stick out for me here is the words in verse 21, willing and skilled. And so I've used those two words as the title of my message that I would like to share with you, willing and skillful, willing and skillful. In many ways, perhaps random for us this morning, but as a part of our history, as we celebrate 150 years, these two phrases, these two words are actually no strangers to us. Because it was actually these two words that Hudson Taylor prayed on June 25th, 1865, in the southern part of England on the beaches of Brighton. As Rob just mentioned, Hudson Taylor went to China at the age of 21. It actually took him 163 days, to be exact, to go from Liverpool, England, to China. 163 days. Incidentally, just as a point of reference, if we were to fly from Heathrow to Shanghai today, it would take us about 12 or perhaps 13 hours at most. In other words, what took those early missionaries nearly half a year to do, you and I, because of the convenience of transportation, you and I can do in half a day. I've often wondered what those early missionaries would think of as they looked on this generation. And I am convinced of two things. One, obviously, they will be very envious because of uh, the time that is spared, the time that is saved because of the convenience of travel. And yet, perhaps they would also rebuke us by telling us, inasmuch as it is so easy to go, why aren't we going more often? Well, he went on to serve for about seven years in China before returning back to England in 1860. Upon returning, he completed his medical degree that he actually had to cut short because the society, the mission agency that sent him initially to China was in such a rush that they said, don't worry about your medical degree, just get out to China. 
He was able to complete his medical degree. But in addition to that, probably one of the greatest things that Hudson Daler did during those five to six years he lived in England prior to returning to China again in 1866 was to share the spiritual needs of that great land of China. Actually, it was during those years that he was there in England that he, together with Maria, his wife, produced a very influential book. I believe it was Lauderette, the great historian from Yale University, that in addition to William Carey's inquiry of how we are to share the gospel with the lost, Lauderette tells in his account that this book by Hudson Taylor was probably one of the most instrumental books, not only in that day, but in the history of modern missions. I've actually brought a copy of the book that Hudson Taylor produced. The title, China, Its Spiritual Need and Claims. And in this small book, Hudson Taylor lays out for the reader that great land of China. There were about 350 million Chinese in Hudson Taylor's day. Uh, incidentally, there are 1.3 billion Chinese today. But back then, there was 300, 350 Chinese. And province by province, Hudson Taylor looks at the need of missionaries, Christian workers, to go to the inland parts of China with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that was the message that he shared those, day, those years when he was there in England. Nearly exhausting himself, not only physically, emotionally, as well as in a sense perhaps spiritually as well, to such a point that a good friend of his invited him to Brighton, the southern part of England, for a weekend to relax. And so it was on June 24th, 1865, that Hudson Taylor went down to Brighton. The 25th was a Sunday. He attended a local Presbyterian service, and as he worshiped there with some 1,000 people, he could not but think of the millions of Chinese there in China who were racing to a Christless eternity. And that was the phrase that Hudson Taylor often used in his writing, racing to a Christless eternity. He spoke of the million-a-month Chinese who would step into eternity without once hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. His heart was heavy. And at the conclusion of that service, Hudson Taylor slipped away from that church and made his way down to the beach there in Brighton. Could I just read a very small portion of Hudson Taylor's diary as he described what took place that day, June 25th, there on Brighton Beach. And this is what he wrote. He said he was unable to bear the sight of a congregation of a thousand or more Christian people rejoicing in their own eternal security while millions in China were perishing for the lack of the knowledge of salvation. He goes on to say, I wandered out onto the sands alone in great spiritual agony. And then a phrase that I love. 
He says, it was there on that beach that the Lord conquered my unbelief. What a wonderful phrase. It was there on the beach of Brighton that God conquered his unbelief. And I but cannot help but wonder, perhaps there are some today who the Lord also needs to conquer your unbelief and to conquer my unbelief. He goes on to say that he surrendered himself to God for this service. And I told him, I told God that all the responsibilities as to the issues and the consequences must rest with him, must rest with God, and that as his servant, it is mine to obey and to follow him, his to direct, to care for, and to guide me, and those who might labor with me. He says, there and then, I asked him for 24 and these are, this is where those two phrases come in, those two words come in. There and then I asked him for 24 willing and skillful fellow workers to go with me to China. Actually, I've brought with me today the Bible that Hudson Taylor had that day on Brighton Beach. In our family, we call it the Brighton Bible. And it was this Hebrew and English bilingual interlinear Old Testament that Hudson Taylor had that day and in which he recorded that simple prayer, 24 willing and skillful workers for China. Mimi and I, as well as the rest of our family, had the joy of actually being there in Brighton just this past June, 25. And as we made our way down to the beach that day, several things came to mind that I would like to quickly share with you as I think back, not only over these last 150 years, but even as I contemplate Hudson Taylor and the ministry that the Lord opened for him in China. Well over 50 years of serving God faithfully in that land. Five things came to my mind just very quickly. Actually, each we could spend a great deal more time reflecting upon. The first thing, obviously, that came to mind was Hudson Taylor, as well as many missionaries, the passion that they had for lost souls. I believe it is something that the church today in the 21st century, desperately needs to reclaim. Hudson Taylor and these early missionaries was con were convinced that Jesus Christ was not a way, a truth, and a life, but rather he was the truth, the, the way, the truth, and the life. And it was that passion for lost souls, that million a month racing to a Christless eternity, that stirred Hudson Taylor's heart. Actually, in that small book that I just showed you, he records an incident that took place very early on in his missionary career. He was preaching in the vicinity of Ningbo, which is just south of the city of Shanghai. And after he had finished speaking, a Chinese gentleman came up to him and said to him, Honorable Taylor, Honorable Teacher Taylor, I want to thank you for coming to share the good news of Jesus Christ. 
My heart has been moved, and I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But could I first ask you a question? How long has this gospel been in your country? How long has this gospel been in your country? Before Hudson Taylor had the chance to answer, this young man, Chinese man, went on to say his father had spent his entire life searching for the truth that he heard Hudson Taylor speak of that day. He sought it in animism. He sought it in Buddhism. He sought it in Confucianism. He sought it in Taoism and never found. Not only my father, but my, my grandfather as well. How long has this gospel been in your country? Hudson Taylor had to answer the question, and he turned to this Chinese young man, and he said, actually, this gospel has been in England for several hundreds of years. To which this young man simply replied, why have you taken so long to come? Why have you taken so long to come. Passion for lost souls. The second word that came to mind was prayer and experiencing God's faithfulness in prayer. Prayer for the work, prayer for the workers, as well as prayer for the need of the work. I love to tell the story of Hudson Taylor's first journey to North America. He actually didn't begin in Toronto. He began in Northfield in Chicago, invited by Moody, to go and speak there. And it was on a Sunday morning that Moody invited Hudson Taylor to speak of the needs of China. The CIM had already been started, and as a part of our mission policy, we have a non-solicitation policy, and so no offering, no appeal for funds. And Hudson Taylor made it known to Moody that that was the case, that he would love to come and share, but on one condition, that an offering would not be taken for the CIM. Moody agreed, and so Hudson Taylor came, and we're never sure what exactly he preached on that day, but it moved Moody in such a way that he forgot what he had promised Hudson Taylor. And when Hudson Taylor, this short man of probably only 5'8", 5'9", sat down, this giant Moody got up and said, I think the best response we can give is to take up an offering for the China Inland Mission. Well, Hudson Taylor was not only a rebel or a radical, uh, he had a nerve in him. For he quickly went back up on stage and he said to Mr. Moody, he said, Mr. Moody, you promised me you would not take an offering. You could about imagine it would be sort of like Rob coming up and saying, we're taking an offering for the OMF today. And I would come up immediately and say, sorry, don't take the offering. It was an awkward moment. But Moody backed down remembering his promise and the service was concluded. Hudson Taylor was leaving early the next morning to St. Louis. And just as he was packing up his bag, there was a knock on the door. He opened the door and an American gentleman stood there with an envelope outstretched and placed it in Hudson Taylor's hands. Hudson Taylor opened the envelope, which was actually very uncharacteristic for Chinese. And lo and behold, in that envelope was a check for 5,000 U.S. dollars. Well, I don't know about you. Today, 5,000 is a big chunk of change. 
But a hundred plus years ago, that was a significant amount of money. Hudson Taylor said, is there something wrong here? Perhaps you accidentally added too many zeros onto this thing. The man said no. He said, actually, I was at the service yesterday. And if there was an offering taken, the most I would have given is $5. And I went home. And I couldn't sleep. And there just seemed to be a voice saying to me, is my salvation only worth $5? And certainly we know that it is not. Well, how about if I gave him $50? Again, that voice, is my salvation only worth $50? Of course it's not. Well, how about if I give him $500? Is my salvation only worth $500? And this American gentleman said to Hudson Taylor, it was only after he got up and wrote a $5,000 check that he was able to go to sleep. My friends, God is a faithful God. Hudson Taylor once said something, I believe, very, very profound, that God's work done in God's way will never lack God's provision. That our God is a Jehovah Jireh God. And that as long as you and I are found on the mountain of God, just like Abraham of old, that we will experience his faithfulness. And so it was prayer and that dependency upon God. A third word that came to mind was the word pioneer, and I wish I had more time to talk about it. For there were very uh, a number of, of pioneering initiatives that were set forward. Rob has mentioned uh, Hudson Taylor putting on Chinese clothing and, and wear a chi- wearing a chi- growing a Chinese queue because that was what men did in the Qing dynasty. And incidentally, the CIM earned a nickname because of all the male missionaries with queues. We were called the pigtail mission. The mobilization of women for missions. Hudson Taylor saw very clearly that if China was to be one for Christ, women had to be mobilized, whether married or single, for the mission. Because in that day and age of a very conservative Chinese society, only women could get into Chinese homes. Males could not. Males could have no contact with females. And so he mobilized women for missions. Incidentally, let me just highlight how significant that is even in this day and age, an age in which actually we need more men on the mission field. But if we look at the Muslim world today, I'm convinced that actually women are strategic for reaching the Muslim world. Because as men, we will never be able to get into the homes of Muslim families. But it will be women called by God to go amongst that people to share the good news of Jesus Christ, that the Muslim world will be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pioneer. Pioneer. Partnership was a fourth word that came to mind. Partnership. And I was excited to hear of how this school in its formation back 120, 21 years ago was formed out of partnership. 
People coming together, realizing that the great commission of Jesus Christ was not going to be completed just by one church or one mission agency or one organization. And I believe in the 21st century, as we look at global missions, it is indeed about partnership, not about one's ego, not about one's logo, nor about one's silo. But rather networking toward increasing our net worth and the fulfillment of the great commission of Jesus Christ. Well, just very quickly, the fifth word that came to mind that day on Brighton Beach was preeminence. The preeminence of Jesus Christ in the life of Hudson Taylor. I wish I could say more about it, except perhaps just to leave with you one phrase that Hudson Taylor said that I believe is so pertinent in not only his generation, his life, but also in your life and in my life. And it is simply this. Hudson Taylor once said in an article, written in actually 1888, 1889. He said, if Jesus Christ is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. The preeminence of Jesus Christ, the lordship of Jesus Christ in his life and in your life and in my life. And I believe it is not by accident that when Hudson Taylor died in 1905, as they thought about what to put on his tombstone, what would be the epitaph that would describe this man who spent his entire life with a desire to see China won for Christ. And it was decided that on his tombstone would be carved this phrase, here rests a man in Christ. Here rests a man in Christ. The preeminence of Christ in his life and in your life and in my life. Could I just very quickly go back to those two phrases, willing and skillful. One speaks of availability. One speaks of ability. And I believe we need to merge those two things together today in the 21st century as we look at missions. If you have the chance, go back and look at those two verses again. For in those two verses we see, first of all, God's plan. There it was for the temple, but we're reminded today here at this chapel service of God's plan for the world. God's plan for the Muslim world, God's plan for the Chinese world, God's plan for the Buddhist world, God's plan for the Hindu world, the four largest groups of people that desperately need us to take the gospel. God's plan. Those two verses speak also of God's presence. That my God, David says to Solomon, my God will be with you. And certainly as we think of missions, our minds go to Matthew chapter 28, where you remember Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always until the ends of the ages. God's presence. It speaks of God's provision, that our God is a Jehovah God, providing all of our needs as we faithfully follow him. And lastly, it speaks of God's people those skillful workers, 
those willing workers who would be willing to step forward and say, here am I, Lord. Use me. Here am I. Send me. Hudson Taylor prayed for 24 willing and skillful workers. And I believe, brothers and sisters, that God today is also looking for willing and skillful workers, even in our midst, even here at Tyndale, looking for people who would say, yes, I am available. Yes, I want to dedicate my skills to you, Father and Lord of my life, for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you be willing to be one of those willing and skillful workers today? Mimi is going to come and sing a song for us as we close that speaks of our Savior's love. And as we hear her sing and listen to the words of this song, I pray that the Savior's love will indeed compel us, compelling each and every one of us to be willing, to be available, to give our abilities to Him, to be used for the fulfillment of the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. My Savior's love.